2: on the latest edition of the around the nfl podcast we discuss jared Goff is he going to the rams what are the browns gonna do we also do a redraft of the 2014 first round picks 1 through 16
1: yummy
0: so intense dan ah what a rush and now move the sticks with daniel jeremiah and bucky brooks What's up, everybody? DJ Bucky here with Move the Sticks. We are just about a week away from the NFL draft. We've got so many videos in the can, Bucky. If if anybody's missed all of our video content over the last month in the run-up to the draft, we got you covered, man. We got all kinds of prospects in the studio, and we've got some interesting conversations out there for people to check out.
2: It's really been a fun process. I'm falling in love with our 360 series, having the opportunity to meet the guys and have them come in and to really talk to them. Kind of away from what our normal studio sessions would be to really, I feel like we were able to really uh, have a casual conversation and talk to them. Uh, what we did with Thomas Duarte early in the week, Nick Burnett, uh, all of that stuff has been really, really good and fun. And so they should check out all of our 360 series at the YouTube link. All
0: right, one of the things uh, I want to do today is we're going to play a fun game. We haven't played this yet. We're going to play True or False. So I'll give a statement. You just tell me if it's true or false. Like where are guy's going. Oh, go? to th- th- this,
2: this isn't a drink. drinking game, is it? Not a drinking I th- game. i got a little bit excited. Yeah, no, no ping pong balls. No. Uh, he was reaching back for that Styrofoam back- cups or anything like that. He was like- reaching back for the cabinet
0: back there. So <laughs> I've been drinking for a while. <laughs>
2: uh, by the way, how many jumpers has TD got up already this morning? I mean, I'm beginning to worry about TD's focus because right now I think his focus on basketball may be detracting from lots of playoff on- tweets. Move the sticks. I, I need to have more, more focus on this.
0: Um, Perhaps a week away. We have a new mock draft live show coming out, too, where we've got some shakeup there. I, I ended up just kind of moving some guys around in the top ten because I do believe we are going to see some trades ver- go What down version there. is this for you? God, I don't know. 6 7 The last one I tweeted out, I said, mock drafts uh, point something. <laughs> 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 yeah, or something point zero, oh, I think it was. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I was, I was definitely kind of over that whole deal. But, uh, we only have a couple more. I think I have I'll do one like the maybe the Monday next Monday, yeah, I have after. one
2: Monday, but you know so much to change by the time we get to Thursday, I'm sure we have to do oh uh, yeah, yeah, another. the backup, the backup one, yeah, all right you want we wanna jump
0: in here and start playing, yeah, let's do it. All right, I'll give you the first one here. Eli
2: Apple is gonna go in the top twenty of this draft, false, okay, I think when it come when it comes down to it. I believe at the end of the day, the sweet spots for him start at 25. The Pittsburgh Steelers, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, maybe the Arizona Cardinals. Um, For all the value that he brings to the table, he's long, he's rangy. He does a good job of being versatile in terms of being able to play man and zone. I just don't know if he's spectacular in any one area. Enough where you say, okay, he's a top 20 pick. He's kind of a game changer for the franchise. Doesn't mean he's not a first-round pick. But when you get in those certain ranges, you have high expectations. I just don't know if he has the skill set to match those. I was going to say, you know, pick fourteen with
0: the Raiders. Keep an eye on. I had him going. Uh, I actually had him going eighteen in my last mock draft. To the I Colts. saw that to Indianapolis. That's looking for somebody to plug in there. Uh, you know, but, but that's but, not a. You know, that's not a bad. When I look, they have to. Just, they have to, that, In that scenario, the Colts got wiped, so they had no offensive lineman to choose from. I got to believe one of these offensive linemen is going to fall to him. I would think so, but y- y- the
2: top four. Um, Conklin, Decker, those two guys could possibly be there. Stanley and – They're Tonson gone. Shippen There's gone, four, gone. but you
0: also got an interior guy. In the yeah, you have an too.
2: interior guy that, that's in the mix. Uh, they could use a complimentary corner opposite of Vontae Davis. Uh, I know they took a third-round pick last year, but they need someone that can be a frontline yeah, starter. has gone. Toler's gone. So, yeah, I mean, he's certainly in play. I think he has to be in the conversation at 18. Uh,
0: by the way, real quick, before I go with my next one here, true or false, I've got a bunch of tweets from people who, by the way, I don't I don't get to decide, nor does Bucky what wall segments we do on Path to the. Track. Oh, about about
2: why we've been talking about the same.
0: So yeah, the Lions. So the Lions fans out there, I want to be want to I want to be look I want to be the guy that listens to the people <laughs> on the street here. And a lot of people were saying a lot of Lion fans out there saying, "Hey, you never you guys don't talk about our team." So the Detroit Lions at pick sixteen, Bucky. I had them taking Ryan Kelly, uh, the center which direction do you think the Lions end up going in this draft? What position? You could look at a defensive tackle, could look at an offensive lineman.
2: I, I think they can play it both ways. I think it's somewhere in the trenches. It's either an offensive tackle or an offensive lineman, somewhere in there where they can kind of move Riley Reef around. I, I think ideally they would like to move him to the right side. Mm. I think that's probably the best place for him. Uh, I think offensive line is certainly a consideration. And then on defense, look, the exodus, Nick Farrelly and Dominican Sue, I know they got Halota Nada to come back, but I still think they need a dominant player on the inside. So when you talk about Jerron Reed, Ashawn Robinson, even a Sheldon Rankin, someone inside that can be disruptive, they have to, when they play really good defense, they have someone inside that could create those kind of uh, chaotic matchups. They need another guy that can do that.
0: Can I give you an end? Maybe this would be a tradeback scenario, an end for them that can also kick inside who, you know, this time in the process you're watching guys pop up guys and different players, and so just happen to be watching – somebody against florida's defense the other day i love jonathan bullard man what he can do off the edge but then when he can he can kick inside that's a tough matchup you know we don't get
2: enough time to really talk about like that that tier below the early tier like Mm -hmm. the top 50 players uh the sheldon days the jonathan bullards um we talked about javon hargrave but hargrove but some of those guys are going to be the ones that, in a year or two, that we talk about. Man, this is a really good player. How did we um, not give him, him more not give him love. enough credit yeah. or, or whatever? But no, Jonathan Bullitt is a guy that should be a guy that we talk about more prominently, but we just haven't.
0: All right, you want to uh, you want to fire one at me, or you want to go true or false with me, Buck? True or false.
2: Here's the, no no you know, shoot the list over I had I because we've talked about this guy but I want to talk about him a little more Ryan Smith from North Carolina Central yeah will he be off the board in the top fifty selections top fifty man just because I heard people somewhere at another network talking about him somewhere. I
0: love him I I mean I gave him a really I gave him a good grade and man I just top fifty. <laughs> You know, I have him. I'm looking at where he is, and I just I have my list on my computer, and I just slid my paper list across to you. So you kind of see the company he's keeping there uh, with Xavier Howard, not too far behind Artie Burns, mm-hmm. Will, Will Redmond, DJ White, Kendall Fuller, those guys, Those are that's kind of in that mix. I'll say false. I say he's not going to go in the top 50, but I'm going to say he's going to be in the top 65, 70 for sure.
2: For my follow-up, Kendall Fuller, because he's kind of off the radar because of the medical issues. What did you see in him when you evaluated? Because then I give you my take on him.
0: Yeah, he was tough for me. I mean, first of all, you go back to Ohio State this year, Ohio State last year, struggled. Struggled. Mike Thomas got him Got him a couple times. He
2: struggled struggled mightily against Mike
0: Thomas this year, for sure. So, I don't know. I I saw a guy that guessed. uh, I saw somebody that had time speed, but I didn't think the play speed matched the time speed. He's fluid. He's a good athlete. See all that stuff. I just – I liked his brother. I liked his brother better. And I wasn't huge on his brother coming out, but I liked his brother better.
2: You know, he is a tough one. Uh, there are a couple of things that work in his favor. Uh, football is a family business. No question. Every one of his siblings has played in the National Football League and have kind of carved out a nice long career for themselves. Um, he plays in Virginia Tech in a system where he's the boundary corner. He's tasked with the responsibilities of covering the number one guy. They play a lot of man-to-man coverage. I believe he's best when he's able to go nose-to-nose and play press. Uh Doesn't necessarily look comfortable whenever I watch him play off in space when he has to Mm backpedal and make those transitions. And I actually believe that you have to be a better athlete and a better player to be able to play off and play in space because it requires uh, more turns and transitions. I think he's a guy that can play on the ball. I think he'd be feisty and competitive. But scheme is ultimately the big deciding factor on how successful he'll be. Um, I had him in the top 50 for the longest time. I just dropped him out. I think he can be a guy, borderline second, third rounder, mm-hmm. in the right situation. He can come in and be a nice nickel. Uh, maybe he can be a starter. But I think would you take him it, or would you take him or DJ White? I think I'm more partial to take Fuller. DJ White is intriguing. Though. I like DJ White. DJ White is very, very intriguing. And you know, here's the thing. Ultimately, there's going to be a run on corners, and there's going to be some corners that come off the board in the second and the beginning of the third round that guys haven't talked about a lot, but the nature of the position. You need guys who are fast. You need them with range. You need them with um, a competitive spirit. If they can press in today's game, it's a bonus because you want to be able to take away the short throws. So, yeah, the DJ Weiss and some of those guys certainly are going to get in the mix, just like your kid Bradbury from Sanford. Another one that is going to kind of be in the conversation.
0: Um, I went back and looked at my notes. I was typing all these notes in, which is always a good process. So, I take all my notes on and notebook old school style when I'm watching the tape. And then I'll go back this time as we're getting ready for the draft. I've got to have all my stuff organized so when these guys get picked, you can talk about them. So I put them all on an Excel sheet. So I try and condense my notes down into a couple one-liners. of things. Yeah, one-liners really. And just trying to find what what's the interesting thing you can tell or a story you can tell on, on some of these guys. And with DJ White, I was going back through my notes. And from the Notre Dame game, this was a sequence on the same, same sequence of plays here. Has a tackle, a force fumble. Uh, then attacks the ball for a PBU in the end zone, and then has a high point interception. This is all down in the red zone in just one sequence of plays. And it was like, okay, that's good. I mean, it's just a that little snapshot of him within the study. You're like, okay, I'm in.
2: No, you know, it, it, it's funny about the production because it's going to lead us to have a bigger conversation on your top corner, Jalen Ramsley, because um, I'm hearing a lot of this. I'm getting this from – I'm hearing getting, it too. I'm getting texts from my buddies in the league. I'm getting uh, the conversation that I'm seeing on Twitter about Jalen Ramsey and the ball skills and the lack of production or whatever. Um, I saw Peter King put out there that in the last 17 games, he didn't have an interception. Uh, he has three career interceptions uh, in 40, however many games he played. Um, there's some concern that how can you take a corner that doesn't have that kind of production on the ball? Now, my argument has been that I never envisioned Jalen Ramsey being extensively a corner. Mm -hmm. I see him as a guy that is a middle-of-the-field player, meaning that he is an extended version of what Tyron Matthew is. He can play in the slot. He can play a down safety. He can play in the box. If we need to, we can put him on the outside. I have never said that he is necessarily like the game-changing ball hawking defender. Mm -hmm. What he is is a really good football player who is going to be around the ball to make a lot of plays, and he's going to be a tone setter. And I think that I'm so willing to buy into what he brings to the table that I'm willing to ignore some of the things when it comes to production. Now, it may come back to bite me, but I just believe he is arguably one of the best players in the draft. I have him number one on my board. I know he's a top five player on most boards. He has to be just by the way he plays the position.
0: Athletically, he's got superior athletic traits. Um, and you know him as a kid, and I've heard this from everybody that's talked to him, that off the charts competitiveness, everybody at Florida State will tell you that. So you're working from a good a good launching point right there, and then the versatility, being able to do a bunch of different things. Those are facts, like those are hardline facts, just can as can the lack of, just as lack of production is a fact, but when you go back and watch him as we've done and go watch him play as a middle field defender and then go watch him play as a nickel and then you go watch him play outside, the sum, it can be greater than the individual parts. And I do think his best spot is right there smack dab in the middle of the field.
2: I I do too. And I think this study has to be more extensive than just what you saw him do this year at corner because actually he he was fine at corner. I like him at corner. He's in the right system though. It has to be the right system if you're going to put him at corner. However, when you look at his freshman year, he's the first freshman to start as a true freshman in his first game since Deion Sanders. Mm -hmm. That's significant when you look at the lineage, the legacy of the corners that have have played through there. The fact that he is one that did it says a lot. His sophomore year, being able to move inside and kind of play the position that LaMarcus Joyner used to play, kind of they put their best guy as that nickel safety guy, and he thrived at it. So because he's done that early in his career, he's three years out, I'm willing to bank on the upside, in addition to the facts, world class athlete, outstanding versatility and traits, and then the competitive toughness that you look for, those things outweigh some of the production stuff because he's not an underachiever from a production standpoint. He just doesn't have a lot of ball production. No, I'm
0: with you. All right, who's up? Is it you or me here? Uh you can you can I'll, hit you. You can I'll hit you with one. I'm gonna say do do I will go All right, I'll give you another top twenty one here. Darren Lee is going to go in the top 20,
2: linebacker Ohio State. No, I think the buzz is cooling on Darren Lee, as much as I like him. I I mean, I I like him in certain defenses. I can see him being a star in Minnesota, um, being able to run and chase. I can see him being a standout player if Seattle had to take a guy. Um, His athleticism, his speed, the versatility, being able to play in the slot but also blitz off the edge, he's a problem. You don't, issue. Atlanta, you don't think Atlanta pulled the trigger there at 17? I think it also depends on who's on the board. That would be a great fit because in, in that in that defense, it'd be, it'd be terrific. Yeah. Um, I just think there's going to be someone else there. And now, this is crazy, but this is what I've heard or this is what the streets are saying. The Atlanta Falcons may be inclined to pull the trigger on a defensive tackle. Interesting. A defensive kind of a- tackle. And I've heard that Kenny Clark could possibly be in the conversation – as a guy that can come inside and be a With all the player. depth in the defensive tackle class, I just don't know why you I've heard, I've do heard that. other guys, heard other names in the mix in terms of defensive tackles, like maybe inside, maybe they want to have a deep and talented rotation. We talked about Rashard Hageman being a bit of a disappointment, but I don't know. I believe, as you would say, Darren Lee at the second level would give them speed. He would give them another guy that can come after them. The one thing,
0: the one thing I had him when I went back and looked at my notes was. Uh, I put uh, best player versus Bama that that game that had all those prospects dominated. He was all over the field. He made every play in that game. You know um, that, that to me. Look, when you're on that stage with that level of talent I, and you and you shine above everybody else, that, that
2: tells me something. You know, it's funny because I believe part of your um, the really you why you're able to go so strong on Kevin Dott is because in the championship game he showed up. Yeah, in the playoff game he showed up. I have a tendency to give guys a little more credit in those what I call those red letter games, mm-hmm. those division, those rivalry games, bowl games, championship games. When guys step up and play well, there that is the biggest stage. That is as close as you can get to NFL competition. So I do buy into that, and the fact that in that that game against Alabama, yeah, he wore them out. I had no answer. He's them. a one man wrecking. The one wrecking thing through. too though, and I
0: know, and I've I've got people that I trust in the, in the. Uh in the business that have said this about him that have done a legit study on him it's funny how you can just see players differently um, I have somebody tell me look he's a one trick guy he's only got one move that little swipe move outside that's his one trick so i was like man you know i've watched this dude a bunch i'm going to go back and watch some more so i'll go back and watch some more i'm like i oh, don't i saw an inside counter i saw him be i saw him convert a little bit speed to power now he's not he's not going to there's guys when they hit you with power they can put you on skates take you right back to the quarterback he's going to pop and separate and then, yeah. and then get around you but I saw him get to the quarterback in a couple different ways other than just that swipe move. So it's, it's, I, funny. it's interesting how people see him different.
2: It's funny because for him, he's not a full-time pass rusher. Mm-hmm. He's a blitzer. He's a second-level pass rush guy. He's going to come off nickel blitzes. He's going to come off whip and Sam blitzes, those things. But you talk about being a one-trick pony. I'm wearing a Yankees lid today. Mariano Rivera got yeah, a lot pitch. of people out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, Cutter. like a lot it, of guys like that. I mean, there are a lot of guys who Trevor Price. <laughs> Trevor Price had inside swim move and, and, and nobody could block it. Even <laughs> when you look at like J.J. J. Watt, J.J. J. Watt, that the high arm over, mm-hmm. like that's kind of his go-to move. So I'm fine. If your fastball is unhittable, then why throw the change at the curveball? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if they can't hit that. So with Deron Lee and knowing how he will be deployed and how he will be used, it's okay for him to be a blister that comes off of that because we talk about – we talk with Clay Helton you want to get back on backer's on backs. Mm-hmm. If you're able to draw it up where you can get him on a back on a running back, he's at a favorable situation. All right,
0: let me uh let me hit you with another one here, Bucky. Okay. This is a lot we've been hearing about lately. I know John Gruden came out and said Christian Hackenberg's going to go. He'd be shocked if he doesn't go in the first round. I'm not going to hit you with that. Christian Hackenberg will get picked in the second round of this draft. True or false? Oof.
2: I'm going to say true. And the only reason I'm saying to it is because I just believe. You can't start laughing when you give your answer. Quarterback coaches and offensive coordinators have a tendency to fall in love with guys. And I think he's easy to fall in love with because he looks like what a franchise quarterback should look like. Big, strapping, strong-armed guy. Square guy- jaw. You know, looks to part when he walks in the room. He can talk to talk. He can say the right things. When you put him on the field, there are times where he flashes the right stuff. However, it is hard to dismiss the last two years of tape. I watched him personally against Michigan State. I was there at the end of the year when Connor Cook threw for four touchdowns and Hackenberg was off. Yeah, I, mean, I watched
0: him against Northwestern.
2: Off. And he – and the talent – you're saying the talent should be there, but – Ultimately, you are what you are. And guys typically don't change much from what they do in college to what they do in the pros, especially at that position. Now, can you put them in a situation where you can hide them and mask them and do some things? Yes, but it's like Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer is what Brian Hoyer is. Ryan Fitzpatrick is what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. Christian Hackenberg is what he is. And so when I look at 50% completion percentage, almost a one-to-one turnover Here's, here's here's what's it's, it's interesting
0: to me. Like if you don't if you don't look at go back to his freshman year, okay, where the promise was there with Bill O'Brien. Um, interesting exercise for me is we're talking about him potentially second round. John Gruden talking about maybe in the first round, okay. So look at where that that real estate is. Now I want you to go back because I I I did this guy. I know you did him as well back in the day when Derek Anderson was coming out of Oregon State. If you put the tape at Oregon State of Derrick Anderson, who we took in the sixth round when I was with the Ravens, versus the tape of Christian Hackenberg, who had better tape in college, Bucky?
2: Derek Anderson was far more productive. Derrick Anderson I don't even think it's close. Derrick Anderson was, was lighting it up and I think He won the sixth we got him in the sixth round. When Derrick Anderson was coming out, I may have put I think I put a five nine. So in that system, that would be a fourth round player. Yeah backup developmental guy, which is, I mean, sixth round, which is what he was. Now, to Derek Anderson's credit, he played – he was a pro bowler, so you always have to call him a pro bowler. And he's been a very serviceable backup. He's one of the best backups in the league. When given opportunities. Um, But his tape is superior to what Christian Hackenberg has put out there. I think the big thing, if you take Hackenberg in the second round, I'm not saying it's a throwaway, but you certainly have a veteran in place where you're saying we're going to use this as a project – that is even more extensive than the Logan Thomas project. We're really going to commit two years to seeing if we can develop him before we really put him on the field and see what he can be.
0: You know where the perfect place is for him, by the
2: way. San Diego? No. Dallas? Yes.
0: Yes. That that offense that's is the perfect spot for him. Okay, so that so, offense, sit behind Tony Romo, that offensive line in front of him. That's a little Running help. game. Yeah, everything is in place there. Vertical
2: system, number one receiver in Dez Bryant, middle of the field playmaker and Jason Witten, a slot receiver and Cole Beasley, yes, that can be the perfect place. But the problem is when you put him behind Tony Romo, Tony Tony Romo hurt. He's going to have to play. (laughs) Yeah, this year. He's going to have to play. San Diego would be a good place for him, but that's too high for my considerations, like the top of the second. Yeah. But I think San Diego would be a good place because Ken Wizenhunt would do a great job with him in terms of that system, vertical system, Mike McCoy and those guys. Whew. So, okay, so my issue is this. So if Christian Hackenberg can get the pass and be a second round pick. Yeah. How come Cardell doesn't get the same line? How come Cardell yeah. Jones is is all oh, he's a six round pick? I, I, I don't understand the wide disparity between the two because when I look at one, Cardell Jones won a national championship. Cardell Jones the game. jumped in in hard situation, won three games against three really, really good teams, comes back. Win six or seven or however many games he won early in the year, loses his job to JT Barrett. And I'll say anyone can go to Ohio State and they will say the two guys if they're matched up with one another, Cardell Jones is a more talented player. For whatever reason, it didn't work. It's not even close. So, to me, I don't understand what it is about Cardell Jones that puts him so far behind Christian Hackenberg and the other guys. And I know we can talk about the maturity, immaturity, the tweets and all that other stuff. But to my knowledge, we don't have significant character character concerns about him. It's just it's immature. What is it? You know, it's
0: just immature. But I mean, you talk about a live arm, and be, I mean his his best his best tape you can put up there with anybody in this draft class, just in terms of the ceiling of what he brings. I've said, look, it it's interesting when you talk about him because I've kind of said that third round is the sweet spot. For I think that's that, I think the
2: side spot. I think somewhere in the third round, Pittsburgh would be a great spot. Mm-hmm. Put him behind. Ben Roethlisberger, I think he's more talented than Landry Jones. He can eventually be your backup quarterback. You have to make sure that he's willing to do the study and all that other stuff. But physically, physically he's a first-round talent.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's why I've kind of said the third round. But I wouldn't be shocked if, if he went in the fifth round. You know, I wouldn't be sh- you know, totally floored if somebody just rolled the dice in the second round. But I've kind of just said that third round, maybe even in that fourth round, that's that's that sweet spot for that's him. A, that's
2: a Look, if Logan Thomas can get drafted in the oh, fourth gosh. round, Cardell Jones, yeah, should be drafted in the second or third round. All right, Bucky, next one here.
0: I'm stealing. I'm stealing this because I, I think I enjoy this game more than you do. <laughs> uh, Tyler Boyd, your guy Tyler Boyd, will go in the
2: top 40 picks. True or false? Ooh. Top 40. That line is tough because I have him pegged to go right after there uh, with a Giants second round pick, whenever that is in the 40s. I don't think he'll crack the top 40. I do believe he'll crack the top 50, though. Um, the speed issue is a concern, Four, five, eight. But if you're a team that has a number one receiver, or you have a speedster in place, Tyler Boyd is a perfect complement. Uh, I believe he's going to outplay his draft status. I believe he's going to be very, very similar to what DeAndre Hopkins was in terms of a guy that when they took him, I don't know if anyone thought that he would be a number one because even at Clemson he was kind of playing a yeah. Sammy Watkins shadow. He has played better than that. Tyler Boyd, to me, is going to be a player much like New Copkins. I like that. I like that.
0: I can get with that. I think it's probably the range where he ends up going. How about same question with yeah. Mike Thomas? Uh, Mike Thomas, top 40? i to say no. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say he goes just outside there. And the thing that – you know, and he could. Look, it's, it's, we're guessing here. But I would say no. And the thing with the wide receivers, man, I, A – I I don't think it's a a very good group compared to what we've had in the years past. It doesn't even come close to matching up. But there are a lot of dudes as there is every year. When every team in college football goes four and five wide, every class can have a million guys. So, I like Michael Thomas, but I think when you look at some of the other guys that are kind of in that mix, you could wait a little bit. It's kind of like the D-tackle class. I think it could kind of push it down a little bit just because there's a lot of supply people and in the same clump.
2: Su- supply and demand. As you're grading guys, we do this on the show Cluster Buster. You have a bunch of guys that are the same. Similarly, graded players, similar physical attributes. You try and say, well, if we miss on him in the second round, who's a comparable player we can get in the third round? I think a lot of people are going to do that when it comes to the wide receiver class because there aren't many speedsters. So you're saying, well, if I want a guy that's a possession receiver, I can get him at any point in his draft. Mm-hmm. And the defensive tackle class, you can do the
0: same thing. One, one name is interesting how this works. And people always we, – we stress it over and over again just so people don't forget. Top 50, what we think of the players, mock draft, what we're hearing, what we're guessing, what we're messing around with. Corey Coleman has been my top wide receiver from, from go, mm-hmm. right, all the way through the process. But I kind of got some some pushback from people in the league saying, uh, you know, hey, eh, you know, one trick guy, and you know, that system. You look at even Terrence Williams was really talented. It took him three years to get adjusted to NFL football coming out of that system. You know all this kind of stuff and they're like I don't think I think you're higher on him than everybody else is I, said, I don't care that's what I like him. I'm gonna leave him up there now as we get down to the last couple of weeks, all of a sudden that name I can't, hey Corey Coleman, hey where do you think Cory Coleman's gonna go? you know I'm like what, what happened to this whole like Corey Coleman you know can only do a couple things and it's gonna take him two years yeah forget about that this guy's got all kinds of ability man, so uh, I think it's kind of come back around I think uh, I think he's
2: gonna go in the first round once all a sudden I think he's a first round player um I think he should be a first round player uh at worst. He's at the borderline, 32, 33, 34, somewhere in that mix. Um, the big thing for Coleman will be um, what are your plans for him and what do you already have in place? There are certain teams where he can come in and he's the right guy because I think he's not a number one receiver. I think what about he, Kansas City? The vertical. They could use another speed guy. now. Andy Reid loves that. He had Macklin and Deshaun Jackson. Now you come back. Now you've got Macklin you throw in uh, Corey Coleman. Well, and traditionally – that is the kind of guy that plays well in that offense guys that can catch and run and make plays what he did with Deshaun Jackson, what he did with Jeremy Macklin, um, what he's doing with Macklin. Now they need someone on the other side that can catch the slants and the crossing routes and make big plays happen. And because Alex Smith may not be the most comfortable in terms of throwing it down the field, you can create those vertical plays on horizontal routes. Corey Coleman can do it. Part of the reason that Travis Kelsey is so good is they get Travis Kelsey to the get the ball right the away yeah, and allow him to work. Um, Corey Coleman would be a nice spot. That, that's something that could be in play there. All right, I'm going to go. Uh,
0: here's one. Here's here's one. This might be the last one here. How how are we doing on time back there, Hytham, by the way? I think it's 8-17. Good all content. Right,
1: just keep going. This is
0: fun, man. This is just like a free-flowing deal here. See, the video, you know, we got we got, okay. Got to hit this. We got this graphic, this video. Audio, we can just sit in here and chill. We don't have any. I mean, you couldn't get, serenade us at all, though, huh? No 90s. Sorry, not today. God, it's terrible. Maybe post draft. Post draft, we'll have a little it's celebration. <laughs> you need it. You need, it, you need it. Okay, I like that. That's something to look forward to. You need to get a fall guy to come in here, so you have somebody sit next to you.
1: Podcast so, producer fall guy.
0: Podcast producer fall guy. You can blame him. Hey, he accidentally hit the button. I thought Ah oh, Jones again. Honestly, I
1: thought that's what TD was.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh well,
2: yeah. We just do that. He just has to be here. Yeah. Well, that would yeah. be. That's the
0: problem. Yeah. Yeah. T.D.'s probably
2: what do you think, Buck? He's shooting from the elbow right now? Oh, he's yeah, he's probably he's probably doing uh, sweet 16s, sweet 17s. You he's know what he getting... does,
0: by the way. This is my theory. That he goes he's got uh he's got a, a spray paint. He goes about, I don't know, eleven feet from the hoop and he spray paints a three point line. Shoots <laughs> <laughs> from there. And then posts videos of him knocking down twenty straight threes. That's what T D does. Uh all right, here's a name that I've heard again, this is that time of year, Bucky, where all of a sudden you start hearing something like what? Dion Bush a safety from Miami. I saw somebody say like he thought he could go in the second round. I was like, Man, I, I have not I have not seen that. I have him heard down that like in the fifth I've, round.
2: I haven't seen that. Um I think he's a day three player. Uh he has some attributes that you look for, but there's he's fluid nothing, he can cover a little bit in the slot, but but there's nothing that no I've juice that, that stands out to me as, as a blue chip player. I mean he's solid. I mean he's solid a backup, a developmental guy, but not someone because we first, second and third round those guys need to be starters. And I just don't envision him being a starter really early in his career. I mean, maybe in a situation where they're depleted in the back end, but across the league, I just can't give him that kind of grade. Give you a guy I watched just the other day,
0: um, who again, I I didn't I hadn't looked at my background notes that I'd gotten from teams. He does have a couple off-field issues, but have you looked at, have you done anything on Darius Latham from Indiana that defensive tackle? He's big, man. 6'0, 42 311 ran 532. So uh you know, they didn't run all that well, I don't really care, but he's man, he plays in a 3 technique. He's got some power, a um, little club swim, plays a little bit high at times, but again, this this defensive tackle class I think we're going to see guys in the 4th, 5th, maybe even the 6th round and be like, "Whoa, that's a
2: good football player you're getting at that point in the draft." I have not studied him. But it's funny, like we're we're coming to the you know, obviously we're, we're a week away. Now we're having to dig into the bottom mm-hmm. of the, the, just make sure we know those guys on day three that the names could pop up or whatever. So, as you looked at him, my guy that I've done a study on is DeAndre Hall from Northern Iowa. Yeah. Um, when I look at the attributes, it's got no juice, Bucky. and everything. I know the speed, no juice factor. I know it's a factor, but I just like the length. And I know how guys get excited about those guys. So somewhere on day three,
0: my uh, where is it here? Oh, I got so I got a note on that one. Oh yeah, I've got uh, long flash two hand jam beat vertical no catch up speed's a good tackler, just no pop, no juice, no pop, no juice. There was another guy. Gosh, who was it? It was a corner that I was doing. Um Oh, here it is right here. Um this was a dude from Harlan Hill.
2: Oh, Southeast Louisiana. Southeast
0: Louisiana. So when I when I did him, I was going back through my notes and uh oh yeah, well, I just lost for a second.
2: mean, there were people that were really buzzing on him. Oh, he R2. looked good like down at this the, the senior bowl.
0: So, yeah, I had uh No Makeup Speed versus the Incarnate Word quarterback. So the I'm watching him against Incarnate Word and this quarterback he 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 gets out right, and so and as this little white quarterback from Incarnate Word, and he's going on silent. I'm like, Harlan, you better catch your draft grade depends on you catching this quarterback from Incarnate Word. You do not catch him, you're you're dropping. And Incarnate Word was he was he was he was extending the lead as he was going towards the end zone. So I was like, ah, I gotta get off this ride. Uh, but he is fluid. He can press and run. He's aggressive. But I'm, unless unless Michael Johnson's you know cousin his
2: his a white cousin is playing quarterback for incarnate word i could i had to get off that ride. <laughs> it it's funny how one play can um just kind of leave a lasting impression on your mind on a player and that one clearly left <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> all my buddies look there's a lot of people in the league that listen to this podcast so if you're listening and you're a true friend and you know that this this dude had like a hamstring or something or like a bad ankle during the incarnate word game, hit me up and <laughs> let me know so I can resurrect this grade. Uh, that's funny. Uh, all right, Bucky. What uh, anybody anybody else you want to hit here? This is kind of a fun look. We're gonna be, you know how it is. Next week, it's you, the way our coverage works is you kind of assume that okay, we've had the hardcore draft people with us throughout the process. Now we're the week of the draft, so the casual fans gonna start paying attention. So which means Goff versus Wentz, Wentz versus That's right. Goff. We've gotta play the hits. We're gonna play the hits starting next week on T V. So this to me was kinda lethargic just to come through here. Lethargic? What am I saying? I'm so tired I can't even think. <laughs> yeah. Give me the word. Cathartic. Cathartic. Thank right. you. Hytham didn't even have to get on there. I did say I did say, uh, this is the episode by the way that I'm always really tired. The uh, it was a couple weeks ago. I said it would be a good coop for the Raiders. <laughs> a coup, not a, a coup, not a coup. Coop. Hey, you you say what you need to say. You know, I think you're the was, scout. You're I the think, scout. I think it was the Lakers and Kobe Bryant, and so it's like coop just kind of like <laughs> seeped into my brain, and I went with that. But yeah, so I, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to getting some rest this weekend, and then off to Chicago. When are you going out there, Buck?
2: I am going out there. I think I'm taking the red eye Monday night, so I can get there Tuesday. Okay. Start prepping.
0: Yeah. I'll. Uh, I'm in that mode right now. I'm just, I got about three quarters of my notes in the computer here. going to finish the rest of that up today. And then I've got some ghosts. I got some ghosts I got to go after. Uh we all got to hunt down stuff. So we'll go see what we can do. But thank you guys for checking us out today. Fun episode. Um, Rolling through some players here with my guy Bucky Brooks. Tons of videos again. The Move the Six Three Sixty series. Be sure to check that out on YouTube, uh, as well as our other content. We kind of broke down what the draft could look like at the top with all these potential trades on the last episode. That seemed to get a lot of traction. So check that out if you haven't seen it already. And uh, we will see you from Chicago next week. We'll be uh, we'll have a show coming right right from the epicenter of the NFL draft. Thanks for checking us out. We'll see you next week.
1: Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better.